All right, let's let's go ahead and get started. Um, even as you uh, finish eating, as we wrap up this uh, this mini series uh, on prayer, and uh, we we are actually going to to pause uh, during our uh, thirty minutes or so and and pray together. Um, let me give a disclaimer on the front end. Um, we are not going to be able to bite off much of John 17, and I'm sorry because this is such an unbelievably rich passage, and uh, I, my hope is that this just um, uh, primes the pump, so to speak, for you to go from here and do a little bit deeper dive into this passage. Uh, so uh, before you, your handout, you should have John 17 right there. Um, I want to read it uh, quickly, uh, and then I'm going to have a, a little exercise for you at the table, um, and then I'm going to then I'm going to teach for hopefully a very short amount of time. Uh, but <clears throat> let me pray for us. Uh, quickly, and then I'm going to read the passage. Uh, Father, thank you for these women, for our time uh, together today, and I I pray that you would um, richly bless us as we open up uh, your word, uh, that your spirit um, would be present with us um, and to help us better uh, understand you and the love that you have uh, for us um, and the desires that you have for us, and I pray that our time together would um, uh, help us um, in our prayer life um, as we seek to um, to talk with you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, all right, as, as I'm reading this, uh, maybe take a pen or a pencil, and if if anything stands out, um, for example, if there are words that are repeated more than like three times, maybe underline those. Hint, hint, glory. Um, So, John 17, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know him, the the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Okay, so here's what I want you to do, and I want you to do it pretty quickly. Um, Pick one of the paragraphs. So they're broken up into three different paragraphs. So just pick one at your table, and I want you to just discuss things that stood out to you. What are things that might have been repeated? What are things that highlighted? What are things that seem to be a priority for Jesus? Okay, so I'm going to set a timer just like I do with my two-year-old. He always asks for the timer. And so we're going to set it for, how about four minutes? So go. All right. Your timer's up. Uh, Catherine and I are in trouble when Baker realizes that three is more than one because we'll be like, okay, buddy, you can watch this for three minutes. No, one minute. And we're like, okay. So we're in trouble. Uh, So here's what I want to do. I want to leave you all about the last 10 minutes to actually pray together at your tables, and and that'll be somewhat directed. Uh, But I want to give a a quick overview um, of of this passage. Um, I want to, I'm going to just going to kind of go as it's broken down paragraph by by paragraph. Uh, One of the reasons, so Leslie Newbegin, um, writer, author, theologian, um, he says that this prayer of Jesus leads us into the very heart of Jesus. Um, it's been called a number of different things. Um, I, I was a part of a sermon series at Trinity in Tuscaloosa, you know, called final words for friends. You know, the previous few chapters here, Jesus, uh, it kind of preaches a discipleship. It's kind of, it's kind of a discipleship, um, seminar that he gives. Um, and then now, um, he turns away from his disciples, um, and he turns his eyes to heaven and his focus towards heaven, and he talks to God. Okay, so there's, there's a shift here. Um, and he prays uh, for his finished work. He prays for his disciples. He prays for his mission, for, the, for his disciples' mission. Um, and, and he prays for the world. Um, and so the first five verses, again, just a quick overview. Um, Right out of the gate, you can almost hear the excitement in Jesus's voice, which is really weird because we know it's about to happen. But Jesus, you know, starts his prayer with, Father, it's time. The hour is here. The weekend is here. That 
that the most important events ever to happen in the history of the world are about to take place. And there's some excitement uh, in Jesus. Um, And it seems to be that the theme of these first five verses is this shared glory, this shared glory that Jesus has with the Father, that the priority in, in Jesus's prayer right out of the gate is the glory of God, right? So think about if that was our priority in our, in our prayer, in our prayer life, that that was first and foremost, that our priority was the glory of God. Um, so this shared glory that exists between the Father and the Son, uh, Jesus seems to say that something is happening this weekend that will be the height, if you will, of that glory. And we know that Jesus is never more glorious than when he is on the cross, which is so backwards, right? We, we, in Sunday school, we looked at 1 Corinthians and it talks about the, the foolishness of the cross, you know, compared to the wisdom of the world. But Jesus is never more full of glory the Father is never more glorified than when the Son goes to the cross. Um, and then you can also see, and maybe you picked up on this in, in your conversations at your table, there's, there's three gifts that the Father seems to give to the Son. Uh, he gives him authority over all flesh. So we're, ne- we're to read that as authority over the whole human race. But then even within that, there's a gift of a group of people within the whole human race that the Father has given the Son. And then the third gift is the gift of eternal life, of deep, lasting life that the Father has given to the Son to give to that group of people. And we know there that um, this eternal life, it doesn't come any other way uh, but through knowing God and knowing uh, Jesus. And, and even in John 1, you remember, like, how do we know God? We know God because of Jesus, right? There's a connection there, not just a connection in glory, but uh, a connection that we, even when it comes to salvation, we cannot know God uh, outside of Jesus. Um, and then Jesus asked the Father once again, like, what's about to happen would glorify him, would glorify the Father in the same way And think about this for a minute. I mean, this is just mind-blowing, that what is about to happen that we know is the cross, that God would be glorified, that Jesus would be glorified in the same way that they have had glory and shared glory since before, for all eternity. I mean, this should expand our understanding or at least our curiosity of the cross, that Jesus is comparing this glory that we've shared for all eternity, what's going to happen on the cross is equal to that. And so it's very clear in these first, you know, five verses, like a priority for Jesus in prayer is the glory of the Father, okay? All right, so let's quickly look at verses 6 through 19, okay? So in this section, Jesus is asking the Father to give everything that it's going to take for his disciples to live in this world and to live out the mission that Jesus has for them, um, and you, you see very quickly here that um, 
this idea, again, that gift or given or gave, this language just permeates this passage. And, and in this passage, it actually has to do with um, the Father giving Jesus a people as a gift. The Father has gifted Jesus a people. I mean, if, if, you, if you thought about this in your salvation, that as a believer in Jesus, um, it's because God the Father has given Jesus the Son a people as a, a love gift. So you're part of a love gift between the eternal Father and the eternal Son. And we also see that God gifts the Son with his word. And Jesus has gifted that word and that truth to us, permeates the passage. Um, it's also Jesus's prayer that the Father would keep that shows up a number of times, would keep his disciples, would hold on to his disciples, would protect his disciples, would never let them go. Well, why? Why do we need protecting? There's an evil one. There's an evil one. Uh, we live in a broken and fallen world. We're gonna have a difficult relationship with that world. It's gonna be hard to navigate sometimes. Um, People are not always going to treat us well, and so we need to be protected. Um, and Jesus also prays that, that God would enable us to hold on to God's truth, right? So Jesus, all along, and that's what he's been doing with his disciples. He's been telling them the truth of God, right? God's word, and through those disciples, those apostles, we, we now have, right? We now have the, the apostolic witness is another word for the letters in the books of the New Testament. So God's truth, God's word is now available to us in the same way it was available to them through their witness. Two things to note really quickly that Jesus seems to highlight. Number one, he prays for the unity of his disciples, right? That his, I mean, he says, Father, I pray that, that, that my disciples would be one as you and I are one. That's quite a unity. Later on in verses 22 and 23, he says that as well. So Jesus is deeply, deeply, deeply concerned uh, about the unity um, of his disciples, okay? We're gonna return to that in just a minute. The second thing, Jesus prays that his disciples would share in his joy. I remember, I remember the first time I saw this and I, and I had to like reread it because I was like, is Jesus saying actually what I think he's saying? That Jesus want, I mean, when you think about, right, we're, we're, we're being invited to the very heart of, heart of Jesus as he is just before going to the cross, he's talking to the father and he's talking to the father about what he deeply desires for his disciples and he says, I want them to know that I'm actively praying for them. And because I'm actively praying for them, I, I want my very own joy to fill their hearts. Um, and that's more than like an emotional joy. It's no less than that, right? I hope all of our hearts are warmed and, <laughs> with emotional joy, but this is like the deep, long-lasting joy uh, that we have because 
God the Father is protecting us uh, because Jesus is actively praying for us. Um, All right, verses 20 through 26, quickly. So just in case you were wondering uh, if this prayer applied to you at all or if you were included, Jesus makes sure very explicitly that you are. He says, I'm not just praying for these only. These disciples that I'm sitting here with, I'm praying for all of those who will believe in me. So John 17 is a prayer for you. Like you were included in that. Jesus the Son is praying for you. And he explicitly prays for those of us who did hear the word of God through the apostles, through the apostolic witness of the New Testament, throughout all of history, who would come to believe in him. Um, and again, he, he reiterates this desire for us to have unity, all right? So um, that feels really funny to say when you look at kind of the Christian world today. You just look like, I mean, how many different denominations of churches do you like pass on your way from like your home to work or home to church or home to the grocery store? I mean, around here a lot. And so um, that, that can be a bit of a head scratcher, but, but I want you to know like we, we actually have unity whether or not we experience that unity. Um, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we here at Covenant will um, pray the, or not pray, confess the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed um, because it helps us to remember that we are truly unified with believers all over the world and throughout all of history. Um, and... You know, it's a fine line because um, we, we know that there are a lot of people out there, like there are a lot of churches out there calling them churches that just ceased to be Christian a long time ago. Um, and I'm not saying we should not have concern about that. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but what I am saying is that it's actually, um, look, we're going to be fully unified in the new heavens and the new earth. We will be. Um, and it's actually not ultimately our job to, de- to determine who's in and who's out. That's actually Jesus's job, and he's going to do that well. So let's leave that up to him. Um, So let me land the plane here with just these two amazing desires, these even promises of Jesus, okay? So look at the end of verse 23 and the end of verse 26, okay? And this is just, I know we all know this, and if you you don't know this, if you're hearing this for the first time, I I hope you're weeping with joy. Um, Jesus tells us, that the Father loves us with the same love that the Father loves the Son, okay? God the Father loves us just as much as he loves Jesus the Son. I mean, that is one of the most remarkable promises in all of Scripture. I mean, this is the beauty. We, we call it, you know, the theological word for this is adoption, right? And it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, promise that we are children of God and we are loved by Jesus with the love that God has for Jesus. I mean, this is what it means to be united to Jesus, to have union with Christ, is that God's love for you um, is God's love for Jesus. There, there's, there's not, we can't separate those two. Uh, and, and that is just, it, you really can't fathom that. 
Um, and then in verse 24, this kind of final deep desire of Jesus, okay? That Jesus expresses a deep desire to be with his people. I mean, Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. So make, make this personal, right? Don't, don't individualize it. I'm about to tell you the difference, but make this personal. Uh, Jesus is here. He's pouring his heart out to the Father. And part of that is that he wants more than anything to be with his people. I mean, that, 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 is, that is Jesus, the eternal son, our savior, our redeemer, who deeply desires to be with us, okay? Now, so when I say personal, not individual, here's what I mean. One example, when we gather together with our brothers and sisters in corporate worship on Sunday, we believe that when we do so, that Jesus is actually gathering with us. Jesus is present with us in a very real way. He is with us. And so practically speaking, Jesus gets his wish, so to speak, that when we gather as a family, like we're participating in being with Jesus together when we gather for worship. And, and, and if just think about if we, if we really grasp like this is what's going on when we gather for worship, we would probably feel very differently about worship. Maybe some of those preferences and opinions we had would, would lessen maybe a little bit. And now, listen, let me say this. This, when I say personal, like, um, we also believe that when we engage with, with God in prayer and in his word, like, we're with Jesus too, right? Um, when you're going to pray in here just a minute, you know, three, four, eight together, like, we believe that Jesus is present. Um, but I, when, when I read that, that, that's our theology of worship. If you want to know a Presbyterian theology of worship, this is what it is. When we gather together on Sunday morning and gather worship, Jesus is with us, and we get to participate in that, okay? So here's what I want to do for maybe the next eight minutes, and if you have to leave at 1230, you can just leave, but flip your sheet over, please. So I'm assuming that y'all have talked a little bit about adoration, confession, thankfulness, and supplication. Okay, that's a safe assumption. Good. Okay. Um, so um, what I would love for you to do uh, just at your table um, is take one of those. So have this, have, have your passage right there. Um, if you choose adoration, talk for a minute or two about what are, well, here's the thing. Don't talk. Um, look at your passage and then pray. If you notice this is how Jesus adores his father, how should that inform our prayers? Actually pray that. So we're, we're not going to discuss. We're going to pray. Um, and so do that. Um, do that with one of those. If you have a little bit of extra time, do that with a second one. And then you're still going to have to, to go home and practice. That's your, that's your homework. Your, your homework is to take those th- two or three that maybe you did not have an opportunity to, uh, uh, to practice and Go home and do that. So, um, and I'll, in, in about eight minutes, I'll just close our time with prayer and then if you need to, you have until one? You don't tell me these things. Literally asked you. Okay, so how about this? Go ahead and take two. Go ahead and take two of those. Um, and then y'all have got 
34 minutes. If you want to pray for 34 minutes, that's fantastic. Um, do a minimum of two. If you want to do all four, great job. Good for you. Um, but let me, let me close us in prayer, and then at one um, or before, you can, you can just leave. Father, thank you for your word. We, we thank you again for these ladies and just pray that even now as we look at this passage and, and we um, seek to pr- practice um, praying like Jesus, practice having Jesus inform our prayers, practicing praying scripture, um, that you by your spirit would help to guide us. You would help to um, shape our prayer life to be more like that of our Savior um, and help us to continue to chew on these beautiful and wonderful promises that we find in John 17. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, ladies. Thank you all so much for participating in this prayer study. Um, And true confession, we had planned to do a study on prayer, and I had started working on the curriculum for it, and then the pastor said they were going to do a prayer study on Wednesday night, and I was like, oh, good. (laughs) But some of the things I just wanted to really sort of talk about for a minute as we close out is... um, I think it's been so good to read through some of the prayers that are in Scripture, and it's been so good to really talk through adoration, confession, thankfulness, and supplication. And I'm going to take a few few minutes of just personal privilege um, to share with you some of the things that I really cling to um, in my habits of prayer. Um, When I was in high school, I followed a prayer plan called the 2959. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. But I have used that now for 40 years. Um, And I don't necessarily use that same plan, but I use really the premise of it. And it is this adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I will just say most every day, I'm not going to say every day because I would be lying, but most every day I will look at a psalm. And maybe for a week or so, I will read through the same psalm. And I will then pray prayers of adoration out of that psalm. And sometimes it can be as simple as um, I might read the whole psalm, and the first day I'll pray prayers of adoration from the first two verses. But I really just take it slowly and really look at that psalm and pray through it. And it has been just a really rich way. Right now, I'm actually in Isaiah. I'm doing 40 through 43 over and over and over again. Um, and it's been really, really sweet. I was reading Isaiah 40 Friday morning, and I went to visit our friend Louise in the hospital, and part of that passage talks about the shepherd gathering its lambs in its arms. And when I walked in and she said, just pray, that's what I kept praying for her. So I know that when we use Scripture to pray, it really does help us as we minister to one another. Um, confession, there's several verses in our Bible that talk about confession. If we are faithful and just to confess our sins to the Lord, He will forgive our sins. And just to, to, just to um, go through those passages, I have about four or five, and I just sort of rotate through them. But then confessing our sin and knowing God is faithful. And then to really consider what it means, not just to confess, but to repent not just to turn from our sin, but to turn to God. And it is such a process 
for me, there are so many sins that I hold onto so tightly and I don't want to let go of them. And part of my wrestling with God is just asking him to help me pry, be willing to pry loose of that sin. Um, when I think about Thanksgiving, I mean, there's so many different things that come to my mind. And I love looking at this high priestly prayer and to see what Jesus gave thanks for. Um, because there's so many things that we're thankful for based on our situation and our circumstances. And I think those are good things to be thankful for. Yet even more importantly is what God is doing and how he is at work. And one of the biggest things I am thankful for is this church. And I don't mean the building. I mean the body. Um, and being part of a church does not mean walking into worship on Sunday mornings. And yes, that is a very, very important part of it. We do want to gather in God's place with God's people, but the gathering with God's people in God's presence um, is the most important part. And then supplication is another thing that I think we can get really wrapped up into asking for situations and circumstances to change. And I think one of the things through prayer that I've been so convicted of is praying scripture for different people. And sometimes it may be the fruits of the spirit. Um, but I do have different, you know, Henry talked about his prayer cards. I have specific things I pray for every day. Um, one of those things is my immediate family. One of the other things is Robbie and Chrissy. And Sandy really encouraged us when he was here for us to pray daily for our pastor and his family. And I think that's really important. Um, And then I have other things I pray for on certain days. Um, I pray for the women's ministry on Thursdays. Um, I pray for, like, my accountability group um, on Tuesdays. So just, just things like that that you know that you're going to be praying consistently for people, and I usually pray scripture for them. Obviously, if there are situations or circumstances that they're going through that are tough and they have some prayer request, of course. But mostly I'm just praying that the Lord would draw them close and using different scripture to pray those things for them. Um, so again, if we ever do this again, I may work on a curriculum, but I, this one has been fabulous, and I'm so glad our pastors were willing to come in and teach and share. And I know that April and May is really hard, but I appreciate y'all hanging in there and joining us and just being a part of this. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll head out. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, for your patience to us, towards us. Lord, that you do gather us like sheep, that you love us with an everlasting love that you care for us. Lord, I thank you for each one of these women and the families they represent. I thank you for our church, for our pastors. Lord, for the way that you have brought us together so that we can worship and hear your word taught um, and learn more about how to love you and to serve you. And Father God, we do thank you that Jesus glorifies you in all he does. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And uh, schedule for summer Bible studies will be out soon once we figure out. We, we know what, but we're doing World on Fire. We're getting people lined up to teach, and we'll find out when they can want to do them, and you can sign up. Thank you.